It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.07 on a Saturday morning, 74 degrees outside, several more degrees to go today. Sadly, not a great chance of rain. I'm hoping for a little bit of rain popping up over my over my backyard. It would be great if I had some. It would be great if you had some, too. If you have a question about how to cope with the lack of water in the landscape, and we're getting a little dry right now. Fortunately, we've made a lot of progress over the last two or three, four, well, actually 10 years, really, in dealing with drought and what to do about drought just as a water management schedule and scheme here in Georgia. I'm really, really proud of the Georgians and farmers and gardeners both who have learned how to conserve water. We're using a lot less water per person now than we were 10 years ago. And the Department of Natural Resources has rules about how we go from this drought period to that drought period to the other drought period. And I think some of you know, probably should know, (laughs) that still the permanent drought rule is you're really not supposed to water your lawn or wash your car between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. every day. That is just a permanent rule. I know when it's raining and nothing's dry outside, you don't usually don't usually observe that rule. But that is really and truly the permanent 24/7, 365 rule in Georgia right now is do not water, don't use outside water between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. And then as the dry, as the weather gets a little drier, then the DNR will declare a drought level two, drought level three, drought level four, and there'll be other restrictions that go along. And everybody is supposed to, all the municipalities and everybody else has to abide by those rules. But fortunately, fortunately, because we're using less water per person than we were 10 years ago, we still haven't gotten out of drought level one, and we still only have those minimal rules about when to water during the week. Betty is in Doraville. Betty joins us on Lawn and Garden. Betty, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Uh, I need to know a comp- companies that would uh, take care of St. Augustine grass, you know, spraying for weeds and so forth and fertilizing. So, Oh, man, that is tough. Have you, what have you tried so far, Betty, in finding a company? Well, uh, I had one, but uh, they quit doing that for St. Augustine. Yeah. That is tough, and I understand the... <laughs> the problems that landscape companies have because many of the the programs and let's let's face it that's how you manage a lawn or manage a hundred lawns if you're a landscape company is you have the same grass at every lawn Bermuda grass for most people some zoysia mixed in there some fescue in there too and so you have a program you schedule your crews you say okay I want you to visit this lady's front yard every week every two weeks or whatever it takes to accomplish our goals for her lawn for Bermuda and for zoysia and for fescue, and the programs are pretty consistent, very easy to understand. Crews can do it without any problem. But when it comes to St. Augustine, Betty, that's a problem, not a problem in grass, but a problem to have a consistent program to make it do right. And I have St. Augustine in my lawn, Betty, and you do too, and my neighbor does too. But frankly, I have to tell my neighbor when to spray and when to fertilize and what to do to make his lawn look as good as mine does. And there are not many companies that will take on St. Augustine because it requires extra knowledge and extra sort of preparation for the crew. So I'll tell you how to find one. I can't give you the name of a company because there are many qualified companies out there, but I can tell you how to find one. Will that work for you, Betty? 
I guess so. <laughs> are you, you could tell me. Are you at all familiar with the Internet? Can you get on the Internet for me? My daughter can. All right. All you have to tell your daughter to do, this is all you have to remember to tell her to do, is to go to the Georgia Professional Organization, and they have a website. It's easy to remember, georgialandscapepro.com. Okay. Just go to your daughter. Say, darling, I want you to go to georgialandscapepro.com, and there's a little search line there that says, what do you want? And you say, I want lawn care. And you find all the companies up and down the state of Georgia who, or around Atlanta anyway, who do lawn care. And if you put in St. Augustine, maybe one of them will say, we do St. Augustine lawns. That's our specialty. And that's who you, who you hire, Betty. Okay. All right, GeorgiaLandscapePro.com. That is who to remember because the landscape professionals in Georgia have an association. They do irrigation. They do lawn maintenance. They do installation. They do color. All those things, GeorgiaLandscapePro.com. Let's go to the phones. Who have got next in here? We've got uh, Jean McDonough, and Jean joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jean. Good morning. Good morning. My rhododendron has... um, I think I've watered it too much. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think that, Jean? Big pardon? Why do you think you watered it too much? Because the leaves have got whitish stuff on them and a big circle of white with a black dot in the middle. Yeah. I've got five of them out, and only one is completely attacked by that. And I called Pike where I bought it, and he said, pull the mulch from around the, the rhododendron and spray it with daconil. Maybe. But let me ask you a couple of questions then, Gene. When did you plant them? In the spring. I mm-hmm. uh, Well, it's been about two months ago. All right. That's good so far. And how often do you water? Oh, I've been watering then? them every other day uh, because I thought, well, this is their first year out. And, yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. And they're... My grandson looked at it, and he said, Nana, you've got to pull this mulch back. There's <laughs> mold underneath there. Nana needs to do better on the mulch, yeah. Let me give you some tips, Gene, uh, to get you on the right direction. And one good thing to remember is that Pike has a lifetime guarantee on the shrubs, and so you can take those shrubs back. And honestly, truly, if they're not looking really good this fall by, let's say, end of September, early October maybe, if they don't look very good, pull them up, take the bad ones back to Pike and say, I'd like a replacement, because fall is way the better time to plant rhododendron. So if you plant in the spring or early summer, even a professional would have a hard time keeping a rhododendron healthy and watered during the summertime. It's just the wrong time to plant them in the spring. So if you plant them in the fall, and you take the roots, when you take them out of the pot, spread the roots out with your fingers real good. Dig a nice wide area with a, that you can uh, plant it in, four feet wide. You don't have to make a hole. Just dig and spade and loosen an area four feet wide. Put some soil conditioner in there. Pike sells soil conditioner by the bag. Just get a bag of soil conditioner and mix it in real good with the soil. Plant your rhododendron in the middle after you've loosened the roots real good. And if you plant it in the fall, one or two or maybe four or five waterings is all you need to do. Those roots will spread out during the cool season, during the winter. The roots are spreading, spreading, spreading through the loosened area around it. And then next year, a couple of waterings when it's real dry, and the rhododendron is perfectly happy. But I think the problem was planting it in the spring. 
and the mulch over the top. I know we say mulch. I know I've said mulch. <laughs> Gee, sorry about that. But uh, I think it prob probably if your grandson saw mold underneath there that you've watered a little bit too much, and you maybe got some root rot in there, and uh, the whole thing has gone gone to gone to heck in a handbasket. But good news again. Take them up in the fall. Go back to Pike. Say, these just don't look right. I'm sorry. I know better now. Walter told me how to water it. I'm going to plant them in the fall. And I think next year you'll have pretty rhododendrons, and they'll be a, a blessing to your landscape for a long, long time. Dean is in out in Duluth, and Dean joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dean. Good morning. Hey, Walter. Hey, Dean. Uh, pickle worms and cucumbers. Yeah. How do you get rid of them without killing the bees? It is tough. Pickle worm. Mm -hmm. for, for listeners who are wondering, what is a pickle worm? It is a mean, nasty, ugly, evil. <laughs> it is a bad bug. Um, it is a caterpillar. And the moth that lays the egg to make the caterpillar lays those eggs right up close to the flower, which is the place that the bees are coming in and saying, oh boy, i got to mm -hmm. pollinate this cucumber flower here. So... The best solution that I have found, that I have seen to protect the bees and to um, kill the pickle worm too, is to frankly go out and do a little hand insecticide application. And the insecticide that I want you to use is called Spinosad, and I'll give you a brand name for it, Dean. It's called uh, Captain Jack Dead Bug oh, okay. Brew. Okay. Get Captain uh -huh. Jack, and get a little paintbrush, a little, a little small paintbrush and mix mm -hmm. up the Captain Jack like it says in a little paint jar and take the paintbrush and paint it around the base of each flower on your cucumber. And Gene, you're going to have to do it every day or two. I know I know, it's a pain in the rear to do, but you're going to have to do it. We're talking a lot of, lot of blooms. I didn't say it's going to be easy. But uh -huh. you can't spray over the top with the with the Captain Jack because it will hurt the bees. Uh, you could mm -hmm. try if you wanted to spraying at dusk when the bees are back in the hive. That's what and, we used to do with yeah. spray in the evening or early morning. But direct yeah. your spray for as best you can. If you don't want to do the hand insecticide application, direct that little spray nozzle right at the base of the flower, not in the flower. In the flower is where the bees wow. are going to be, but at the base Love of the that. flower where the little cucumber is uh, is developing. That's where the egg is going to be, and that's how you kill the pickle worm. And when you see the hole, is he still in there? Yes, he is. He is in there. He went in, and he's eaten, and you don't want to eat that pickle. <laughs> or at least you can, you can slice into it and find where the worm is and throw that part away, Gene. Right, right. Okay, good. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Dean. We'll see you right. soon. Yeah. Who we got next? Gary? No, Tracy. Tracy, 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 up in Dahlonega, Georgia. Hey, Tracy. Good morning. Hey, Walker. Hey. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. How can I help? Oh, wait, 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 Tracy. I'm not doing so good. I, the, Scott Maxim's got a mean face on his face right now, uh -oh. <laughs> which says, Walter, look at the time. It is 7.18. You're supposed to be out for a break right now. So tell you what, Scott will put you on hold, Tracy. I'll be back to you first in line right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Pretty much it's another Saturday with zero surprises in store for us. Yeah, partly cloudy. 
Heat's going to be down in the low 90s probably this afternoon. 20% chance of stray showers here and there. Temperatures down in the mid-70s. Partly cloudy skies remain. What are we going to do? It's been that way for about a week now. Partly cloudy skies throughout the day and throughout tomorrow as well. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Brian is in Atlanta, and Brian joins us on Lawn and Guard. Brian, good morning. Hey, Mr. Walter. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Brother Brian, how can I help? Uh, two quick questions. I've got a big, beautiful hydrangea plant, and uh, we got this house uh, in April, and all of the landscaping was already completed. Uh, this plant's been gorgeous all summer. I've watered through the drought. We've had a good bit of rain the last month, month and a half up where I'm at, uh, near the lake. And the last week, I noticed the very top of it turning black and brown. Uh, like all the... Uh, the blooms are real black and brown and the top part of the leaves. And then on the bottom, all the way around the plant, is green and is actually still putting out. What, huh. what do you think is going, going on with that? So when were they planted, Brian? Uh, I would say, Walter, I would say probably in the last year or so, maybe. Uh, I know this particular plant, they did put pine bark around it. Yeah. Um, and I know pine bark attracts a lot of heat. Uh, so I've tried to break the pine bark back away from the, the hydrangeas, but it's done great for, uh, you know, for the four, summer. Four, excuse me, four months or so. Yeah. And all of a sudden it started doing that. I, I think, summer. Brian, the reason you pay me the big bucks to host this show, <laughs> the reason you pay me the big bucks is, is because I know patterns, and I know patterns of how plants respond. And the pattern that you described on these hydrangeas is perfectly indicative of a healthy hydrangea put into the ground in the spring. And it still had enough root system and it had enough energy, I guess you call it, from the greenhouse that it put on great flowers, looked great. But it spent a lot of that summer suffering, thinking, man, I need to get my root system going here. And right now what's happening is, fortunately, the roots are developing, the roots are spreading out, and they're forcing new growth down at the bottom. And I'll bet you a dollar next year, if you were to leave the, the top part of the plant on, that they would not come back. They would not have any leaves on them. But the bottom would continue to grow, and the bottom would continue to have flowers, and everything will be fine. I just bet you that's what will happen. That will be the pattern. What you need to do now, pretty simple. If a, if a limb, one of those brown sticks, does not have any leaves on it, cut it down to a place where you see nice green buds on it. That's all you have to do. Cut down the brown sticks until you see two green buds on either side. Cut it right there. Boom. Next year, I'll bet you you'll have pretty flowers. The plants will be established. Everybody's happy. And that's the pattern that I think is going on with your hydrangeas. Good news, Brian. You don't have to worry too much about them. They're going to bloom for you next year. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after news. The Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 736, 74 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful figuring out what you ought to do in the garden. If you've got bug questions, weed questions, flower questions, lawn questions, tree questions, if you have a question, 
Basically, I'll do my best to have an answer based on research from the University of Georgia and other universities around the Southeast, and a little bit of experience tempered in there too, because I've killed more plants than you have. <laughs> I know in many cases how and why they died and what happened to them. First in line this morning, Tracy comes to us from uh, Dahlonega. Tracy, hey, good morning. Hey, Walter, how are you doing this morning? I'm fine, Trace. What's going on? Oh, uh, I'm talking about those pesky pine and water type bugs. They're they're about two inches long. They're mm -hmm. big and brown. Yeah. And I've heard they're either pine bugs or water bugs, but they're hanging around the porch all the time. There's a really big tree in front of the porch, and there's a lot of moisture on the ground around because there's a ton of trees around the house. And those pesky pine bugs just hang around <laughs> all the time. And I'm wondering what you can do to really get rid of them. Tracy, I think there's a word that you're avoiding using. Roach. Is that? Uh, yeah, they're like the big roach. Bugs. Yeah, they're and roaches. Heard, and nobody wants to use it because nobody wants to say, I got roaches at my house. And people <laughs> in Delonica don't want to look at you in the grocery store because they think, oh, that's Tracy. She got the roaches around oh, really? her house. We all have roaches. Come on. Everybody in Dahlonega has a roach around their house, and they probably has two or three hundred of them around their house. And the yeah. problem with them is, Tracy, is that they're attracted to light. There's several species of woods roach, for just a general word we're going to use, woods roach, that are attracted to light. And so they see the light and think, oh, man, I'm going to go over there and see if there's something fun happening. Maybe there's another female roach over there. We could get together and make whoopee. And so they all fly over to the porch light and they drop down to the porch floor and then Tracy comes out one of them runs inside the house and you scream and have to go stomping after it with your shoe. <laughs> yeah. I know about roaches because I have the same ones at my house. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to control them because they're not they're not concentrated in one spot. They come from all different areas of the backyard, from the mulch, from the shrubbery, from the lawn. They feed mostly on decomposing organic matter. And so there, you know, there's decomposing organic matter everywhere, and they don't have a nest like a yellow jacket does, and they don't have a you know, concentrated spot that you can always find the roaches like you could maybe mosquitoes. So, you know, what I do at my house, I'll tell you what I do at my house, Tracy. I have these little black roach bait stations, and there's two sizes, one for big roaches and one for little roaches. And I don't have the little roaches. I got the big brown ones. And so I put little roach bait stations behind my front door, behind my back door to the sunroom, by my basement door, and in the kitchen in the uh, corner where the two cabinets come together. I'm just telling you what I have at my house because those are the places that I've seen roaches coming into the house or I've you know, seen them crawling around and I figure if they'll get to the bait station I know that baits work like a charm. Baits kill roaches extremely well. They're very attractive. They have a nice little um, human uh, a poison inside that doesn't hurt humans and pets and so that's what I do and I don't try to control them outside. I'm worried that if I try to spray everything outside, Tracy, I'd kill all the butterflies and the honeybees and everything else out there that I don't want to kill, and I know that I wouldn't be very successful anyway, so why waste the time going outside? I try to control them where I see them. And there's one other critter that's called the spiders. There are a ton of them hanging around there, and even like taking a broom and getting the cobwebs off, sure. you cannot keep the spiders away from around that porch. And a lady told me in the store, and I was wondering if you knew this word. 
She said you can buy pine oil at any of the local stores Mm -hmm. and put them on cotton balls and put them around and that it will kill bugs and spiders and it will get rid of the spiders. Do you know if that's a good remedy to get rid of the spiders or? It does not. It does not. (laughs) Sad to say it doesn't. Um, And one of the things that I teach Master Gardeners, I have a nice course for Master Gardeners here in Atlanta on how to control nuisance animals. And I teach them, I say, the first thing you think about when you have a nuisance animal, but this applies to insects too, is why is this creature here? And you can answer that with about three things. Either they find food or they find sex or they find home. They find habitat. And for spiders, if you have them around the porch, they're finding insects. They're finding mosquitoes, maybe roaches, um, other bugs that accumulate around the porch where it's sort of cool and gets a little bit of protection from the wind. And there is no better solution for spiders than the one you're doing already, which is get a broom and a little, uh, you know, fuzzy end on the broom and go up there and take the spider webs away because they're going to be there whether you like it or not, whether you put pine balls or little plastic bags full of water and all these other crazy things that I hear. None of them work. The best thing that works is just removing the nest and making the spider say, doggone, every time I make a little home up here, Tracy knocks it down, where am I going to go? Yeah. And so they go somewhere else. Um, But there are spider sprays, which will certainly kill a spider if the spider walks on it. But you and I both know Spiders don't walk on surfaces all that often. Once they have made a net, once they've made a web, the spider's out on the web. And if you spray on the web, sure, you'll kill the spider, but that's not going to kill the next spider who makes a web and doesn't walk on any poison surface there. So, twas me, Tracy, the baits seem to work better for me. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Don't be afraid of the word roach. Have a wonderful day. I'll try not to. I'll try not to. I actually called a pest exterminator yeah, yeah. a year ago and asked them, and they said, well, they're better known as pine bugs or water bugs, and she called one other name for them. And I said, yeah. I just always thought they were oversized roaches. And she said, well, they have about three different names. <laughs> but but most people don't want to use the R word, and so they call yeah. them palmetto bugs or yeah. pine bugs or something like that. Yeah. It's the R word is the one you got to use. Thanks okay. for calling, Tracy. Thank you. Have a good day. One of the things, I've been just full of information this week. It's one of the things that I found out. Oh, by the way, our phone number, 404-872-0750, if you want to get in and take Tracy's place, 404-872-0750. And one of the things that I learned this past week is another one of those Georgia pride things, and that is that Georgia in the southeast has become the wood basket to the world. You think, what? We got a lot of wood in Georgia? Yeah, we do. Down in southeast and southwest Georgia, these huge pine plantations down there are growing a heck of a lot of wood. And the reason I started learning about this uh, wood and pine plantation stuff is a guy at the University of Georgia, Scott Merkel, has hybridized a new sweet gum. That's just what the world needs, another good sweet gum. We don't need any sweet gums. I hate the sweet gum ball, so why is that so important for Georgia? It's because Scott took an American sweet gum tree and crossbred it with a Chinese sweet gum tree, and then, and this is the key, he figured out how to produce them with tissue culture. That's a big deal. When you can produce a plant with tissue culture, you can have a million of them that are exactly the same, 
And so this hybridized American and Chinese sweet gum tree grows 20% faster than pine trees do. That is why everybody's excited about this, because if you can take those sweet gum trees and plant them in the pine plantation, it gives you some diversification, but it also gives you more wood. Why is wood important? Because right now Europe is using a tremendous amount of wood because they're phasing out their coal plants because of the EU and all the environmental rules they have in the EU, and they don't have any forests anymore. They don't have any trees to cut down and harvest in, in, in Europe because they just cut them down in centuries past. So where do you look for new sources of wood? You got it, Georgia and the southeast. And so what we do here is take these pine plantations and trash wood from uh, logging and, and furniture operations, any place you're going to have trash wood that can't be used for anything else, they can take these and ship them to plants that are called pellet plants. And there's... I don't know, 14, 15, 16 maybe right now in Georgia, which you never probably see much of. They don't take up much space. They're not very noisy. only thing you see is tractor-trailer loads of logs coming in or trash wood coming in, and then tractor-trailer loads of these big nylon bags of pellets coming out. And they go straight from the pellet factory over to Savannah and then on the ship and then shipped over to Europe. And in Europe, they have these enormous electric generating facilities over there that make electricity for Europe using pine pellets from Georgia, or now sweet gum pellets. The great thing about the, the wood and the pine and the sweet gum is that when you take it and crush it up, hammer it out with a hammer mill or something like that at the mill, then you put them into a, a machine that puts them under great pressure, puts these little particles of wood under great pressure, and the wood glues itself together. You don't have to add anything to it. Pine has the little, you know, sticky stuff in the pine, and sweet gum does too. And so it glues itself together in these little pellets about the size of a pencil eraser. That's what they look like, a bunch of pencil erasers, a shipload, tons and tons and megatons of uh, pencil erasers that are just wood pellets. Ship them over to Europe. They put them in the electric power plants over there. They have a consistent feedstock that goes into the power plant, and they burn it. They make electricity. They don't have as much carbon emissions, and they don't have the coal usage and all those things they worry about over in Europe, as we should here. And who supplies those pellets? Georgia! That's the, part that, that's the part that's exciting. And the new hybrid sweet gum tree that Scott Merkel figured out at the University of Georgia is one of those things that we can be really proud of. We don't think of Georgia as being a wood basket to the world, but we are. Poultry, wood pellets, blueberries. Georgia is really, we're not the peach state anymore, the wood pellet state. That's where we are right now. Coming up in the next half hour, Patrick will talk to us about putting a tire swing in an oak tree. What a great question. I have an answer for Patrick about that. Trudy wants to know about her blooming cherry tree got run over. Linda has cypress trees that are turning brown. Ellen has an iris. She wants to know when is the time to cut it back. And Gary and Calhoun has boxwood bush. It's just gone out of control. What are we going to do about that? We'll talk to them right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. <laughs> Quick weather update. Scott, your music. 
just drives me nuts. <laughs> it's great music. Thank you, sir. The quick weather today brought to you by Ackerman Security. Let's have a riddle. Let's have a riddle. What is hot, sticky, and has a 20% chance of being wet? Saturday. That's exactly what's going on. That day is going to be hot in the mid and low 90s, probably. 20% chance of showers throughout the day. And overnight, the low will be around the low 70s, 74 or 5 degrees. It's right now 74 degrees at News Talk WSB. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes. At 7.54, we've got uh, Patrick in Kennesaw to talk about his oak, oak tree and the swing he wants to hang. Hey, Patrick, good morning. Hey, how you doing? So uh, tell me what you want to do, Patrick. Well, I got an oak tree about 20 years old or so. Um, it's got a 20-inch base and a perfect branch coming off. It's about eight inches. Awesome. Um, for a swing for the kids. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about possibly putting like a galvanized chain around the uh, branch. Yeah. Um, so that I can just connect with C-clamps or whatever yeah. um, as it grows and just add extensions as I need to. But my brother thinks that if I put a galvanized chain around the branch, then it'll kill it. So yeah, I don't want to get into your relationship with your brother, but he's right. Okay. <laughs> um, and I hope you can tell him that, that I said so. I'll tell him. I told him. I was like, well, I know I'm going to call it Walter Reed. Yeah, he'll yeah, tell yeah. me the right answer. So. Cable, chain, anything that applies point um, stress to a limb is going to cut into the bark. Chain, okay. cable, things like that, narrow stuff, is going to cut into the bark. And you can't pad it enough. And I know people who try putting water hose and things like that, they put the chain mm -hmm. through that, and that doesn't pad it enough. But you can successfully hang a swing, Patrick, and this is how you do it. There are kits that you can buy online that have these wide what would it be called? Artificial rubber, for lack of a better word. But they're artificial rubber where they have a grommet, have a hole in both ends of it. It's about six inches wide, about 12 inches long. And you okay. put that over the limb, so it's a very broad thing. You have two mm -hmm. of them. So one for one, you know, one line of the swing and one for the other line of the okay. swing. And um, you put that over the, over the top of the limb. And because they're very broad, they're six inches wide, they don't press down on the bark of the tree. They don't cut into the bark of the tree. And yeah. the swing can swing all it wants to, but those are the things up there just you know, don't make the tree and the limb unhappy at all. No chain, no cable, but use those wide, broad rubber things. I don't know what they're called, but you can find them online for hanging swings successfully. Okay. All right. All right. Awesome. Thank T you, sir. I appreciate it. Tell your brother I said hey. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Patrick. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. More Lawn and Garden questions and answers while you wait. Right after news. Yes, we were swinging. Swinging. Little Sean.